at at least at Columbia too, especially, but even at Harper, some of my professors are great. Uh, I ha- I've had a lot of professors that I can think of throughout all of my higher education and even high school to some degree who it was someone you just wanted to be there for. You yeah. Know, you want to be there with them and, and actually listen to them and, and be there. And out of respect to the teacher almost. There's some of that too, but um, you know, these really great professors and teachers were people who made you excited to be there and learn. Yeah. And that's really the role of a great professor. I like that. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always, where we challenge each and every one of you to think, question, and synthesize new ideas from any and all area of your choosing. In this episode, we are joined again by my brother, Nick Wenzel. And we both graduated college after this episode is released, and we kind of just reflect on the experiences we had. And on top of that, this is our 50th episode of the podcast. And so I did this purposely to basically kind of give this 49 and 50 a really encapsulated view of like where Nick has learned and then our going forward kind of things and reflecting on the process of going through college because it is a very long stretch of our lives where... Many of us don't really get a break after high school and we go straight from school to college, high school to college. And it's very fun for me to think about this and I've been reflecting internally and off air and all that stuff and it comes through a little bit in the episodes. And this whole process, even though school for me wasn't as impactful as it could have been, I have learned a great deal, but what it forced me to do in my own way was to challenge myself via other avenues that have paid dividends in other areas of focus. This podcast being one of those things. And it is kind of an encapsulation of all the things that I experiment and attempt to do for myself and then give it back. So without rambling too much more, please enjoy this conversation with Nick Wenzel as we reflect on our college experiences. Hey, Nick. We're back. Yeah. yeah. Round two. Round two. So now we've been graduated, graduated, educated. <laughs> I don't got it right now, man. My brain's not working like I, that right now. I know. This is why I'm, I'm trying to get you to wake up because for the exact reasons, it's like perfect timing because you're, you're feeling the, the, the work life. <laughs> it's not that. It's just, it's been a long week, man. Exactly. So how, how goes post-graduation well uh or should we back up we i don't know i guess we could back up um ever since graduation i've been busy like every day so you know it's not much like usually people take a break or sort of have time between they do things and that's not the case (laughs) (laughs) you're like one's Uh, done let's keep on going yeah it's just been a lot going on yeah um so I, I think I guess we should back up a little bit further and then just talk about either finals week. I don't know. Finals week kind of wasn't really a thing anyways. Well, I go to art school. We don't do finals. Yeah, I right. Had, I had two finals. Oh, I guess wasn't. you could talk about Manifest because that's kind of like the yeah, capstone. Yeah, well, I can talk a little bit about Columbia, I guess. Columbia's graduation is lit, as oh, yeah. you know. I mean, the 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 juxtaposition made Columbia like way better. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, it was really good regardless, but 
Your graduation is very academic, boring trumpet sounds. Yeah. And mine Dude, was it was like Caribbean, though. Like, they're doing, like, Caribbean it was, versions. It was, you had a band, but it was only drums. It was only percussive. Yeah, so NIU was not great, and that's Northern Illinois University. Um, I mean, it's standard academic fare. About as standard vanilla yeah. college graduation as it gets. It's it's not a, you know, Steve Jobs or something doing a commencement no, speech. That's for sure. No frills. No. It was like, <laughs> hey, congratulations, you're joining the working world. Be a good husky. Yeah. You're representing <laughs> NIU from here on out. And stick around to cut your masters. Yeah. Ding. Yeah. And then, the next day, we got to experience Columbia. And that was like a concert. Yeah, that's it. That's all it was. <laughs> it was a concert, and then we were told to appreciate science and nature and conservation. Oh, and you don't owe anything. You're not owed oh, anything. Oh, yeah, and like, uh, get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, earn it, bitch. It was funny. Uh, but I, it was cool. I, I really enjoyed it. Plus, I, you gave like me your camera, idea. and I got to take pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I had fun sorting through the 80-some-odd blurry photos of a stage that are like off kilter but whatever dude i got i got okay with i was not expecting it to have a viewfinder with like auto leveling you or, mean an electronic viewfinder well yeah but it has like it tells you your the tilt like yeah you could not show that too but yeah you they every camera has that nowadays but i didn't i didn't dude i don't yeah. the engineer in me just loves all the little bits and bobs mm. so it was fun to play around with the tools that you'd use on a daily basis and i'm mm. like this is neat because I was thinking about how engineers create things and then people use those tools mm. and then take it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Cameras are fun. It was a lot of fun. They're <laughs> interesting nowadays. We're in a weird period for cameras. But really? Yeah. I, I mean, mirrorless is, is absolutely what is going to be the new thing. Hmm. In the same way that like people looked at digital and were like, oh, it'll never be as good as film. People were going like four years ago. Oh, mirrorless is never going to be as good as a DSLR, and it's slowly but surely taking the market. So, can you explain the difference between? Well, hold on. Should we like stay on track with graduation, or are we going to go like cameras? <laughs> what's the plan here? I don't know. I'm now <laughs> interested in this camera stuff, or at least just baseline. Like, what's the difference between mirrorless well, and DSLR? Well, let's let's lay out the grounds here. So, um, <laughs> we'll 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 skip the whole like boring what we're doing now. But I'll just do the quick recap. We both graduated. We yes. both have our respective degrees. I'll be working as a uh, uh, creative design consultant at a large company downtown. Technically, videographer, right? Uh, well, it's it's or video it's, marketing. I think my official title. <laughs> I start full time Tuesday, but it's like associate consultant in creative services or creative design. That's a fancy title. What it means is that it doesn't <laughs> actually have a particular like. There's no pigeonholing of like i'm not a graphic designer or digital designer i'm like i'm gonna be doing graphic design i do page layout digital yeah. stuff i do photo not photo so basically I do video <laughs> motion graphics yeah whatever if it's like design right. i'll probably be doing so it. you're so basically it would be better if your title was just graphic communicator as you said or, last time. or a consultant in creative design is the same 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 whatever same same but different who cares i know it seems <laughs> like it seems like a label and then you just kind of put it on there yeah i'm, I'm dealing with the same thing at work where people are like you know we hired people who are technically like mechanical engineers or something along those lines i'm electrical and I'm like, yeah, basically, whatever that little word is in front of your engineer, that doesn't matter. No. And, and for me, it was like, I was brought on, and the reason I was like, so I've been working their temp for a while, but now I'm full-time as of Tuesday. Uh, 
I was brought on because I could do video, right? But also came from a design background, and so and happened to be self-taught in photography. That doesn't really matter. We no, don't really, we don't really do in-house photo. Oh um, well, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's not to say that there won't be an opportunity to, but that's not really what I'm doing. Right. There isn't really a need, or at least a perceived need. Whatever. So, um, yeah. So, kind of doing whatever. <laughs> um, so, are you moved out of your proverbial closet yet? I had the option to move to my desk today. Ooh! But I chose not to because Aww. I'll have a plenty of time on Tuesday after orientation to do that. So I'll do that, and then, uh, yeah. You have you have such like the first intern opportunity. It's amazing. Hmm? At least how you've described it before. Oh well, I I was like <laughs> it was like the temp guy desk. Exactly. And it was, and it was funny because like, the new other, guy desk. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was. It's not even the new guy. It's the temp guy. So it was like the closet. Where it's hot and there's no AC, and the desk is all broken. <laughs> Under stairwell, probably. And no, it was just in, the, in like it was in the what they call the production room. So it's like uh, where the the uh, laser printer is, and people come in every so often and like make booklets really quick. <laughs> and so you'll hear them turn on this machine, and then they you're like K-kunk! and they're like binding booklets <laughs> or whatever. So. It's uh, and it's also where we do like the team meetings. So it's like a not conference room that we don't have to book so we can all yeah. just like pile in there. This is like the room that I don't know. It it just seems like such the sitcom like, you know. It is. Average it, office like It's not even average office. It's like it's the joke desk or it's workplace like, of America kind of. Yeah, it's what everyone imagines. But it's not even that though. It's like worse than that. But that's, that's <laughs> Well, I mean that's part of the point, right? <laughs> well, and it, or at least for me it is. Other people who work there full time now were like, "I remember when I first we came here as a temp and I was here too." sort of like a it's a badge of honor it's sort of like a, a, a thing you gotta do i guess i don't know that's so cool whatever yeah so yeah um are we tangenting the cameras now do you want to know I, I really i'm like now i'm interested because I, like i feel like we've talked about it before but i just i'm like what is the difference between like how does a digital camera go to mirrorless camera well, okay so uh or that's the same. I'll make this as simple as possible. A DSLR is what you think of when I when you see a camera, which is like that digital camera with a big clunky Canon, Nikon, whatever. Yes. Uh, and so DSLR is digital single lens reflex. Uh, that's what that stands for. Okay. So DSLR camera, digital single lens reflex. Single lens reflex meaning uh, when you look through the viewfinder, you're actually seeing a mirror reflection that's coming through the lens. So the, the lens sees light, it hits a mirror, it bounces up to a prism, you look into that prism and that's how you're seeing your image. When you take a picture, uh, the mirror flips up and the sensor is exposed, it exposes digitally, and then the mm-hmm. mirror comes back down and you can see again. That's how that works. Oh, that um, makes more sense now. So so that's all it was. But what, a, what a mirrorless camera does is it essentially just removes that mirror and instead of only using the sensor when you take a picture, the sensor's always on. And so mm. that's how you can have like an electronic viewfinder because now the sensor's always sensing and it's always displaying what it's seeing, though it's not impressing photos. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, I don't know the technicalities, but like a big problem when they first came out was that their battery life was terrible and they still kind of are, but they're a lot better. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And it was because like to have a sensor on all the time in a small, reasonably small camera body was hard mm-hmm. but batteries and technology have gotten better so yeah it's still not like dslr like a dslr you can have a big clunky battery and it'll last like five days straight wow you know or that's an exaggeration <laughs> right but you know what i mean like it's 
it's much better. You got but, like days worth of battery life versus hours, right? Or yeah, I 12 mean, hours. the difference is that I carry like five batteries in my bag, and if one starts to get low, I just go, all right, and I pop it out, put a new one, and I'm good to go. Yeah. It's not a big problem, but like that was sort of a thing. But yeah, that's how a mirrorless camera works yeah. versus digital. I feel like most, DSLR. most things going digital, battery life is a huge selling point in general as things become more and more portable, like wearable tech, for instance, is I have two. Um, the one on my wrist, Whoop, is actually getting an upgrade that's going to it last about two days because they were able to upgrade software for the algorithms and how it processes information so that it goes up to five days. Right. So it's a pretty huge jump with the same battery tech. Yeah. So I totally understand where you're coming from with that. So kind of stepping back into the school stuff and things or graduation mindset, did you feel any different like as it was ending or probably outside of the standard relief? Like, is there anything that you kind of sticks with you with how, you know, the college experience in quotes? (laughs) No, I just think that college is especially like university was just too much money for what it's worth. Uh, I've been going through like my LinkedIn trying to add people that I knew. Remember uh, professors specifically or any professors and other people like I'm still I'm actually still going back there right now because I'm finishing up that magazine I've been working on. Oh, right. I totally forgot about that. With all those it, it, part of a class and stuff. Um, and we need to get it like into production. So I was going to say, I thought that was like over. It, I mean, school is over, but like the magazine's still not ready. So we have Weird. to go finish it. Um, and so, you know, I, I've been spending more time with those people. Not, I mean, like two days a week. It's not a lot, but mm-hmm. and only a couple hours a day. But um, yeah, I've been going through like LinkedIn and stuff, and I was trying to look at like who professor-wise I could add and sort of stay connected with. Mm-hmm. And there weren't really many people at all, <laughs> you know. Versus like, uh, I had posted a picture from graduation on my LinkedIn. Uh, I don't. I don't post on LinkedIn. I'm not a you know social media kind of dude like that. Yeah, I did it just because I liked the picture and and because I knew people who I used to work with who would appreciate. I thought, you know, me finishing college coming yeah. from like a working at a college, <laughs> and so I posted that, and there were all these people that even I had started to forget about who were like, "Congratulations, we're so proud of you." Blah blah. blah. These people that I would like work with at Harper and at the, at the college before and stuff. Um, and prof- past professors who were still like staying in touch. And I was like, I'm not going to have that at Columbia. Like right. there, there weren't people like that, which is kind of unfortunate, but yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of in the same boat being a commuter student. I didn't really a commuter and full-time student. So yeah. like, yeah, building those relationships with professors, you know, having them as resources, I guess, or just bouncing ideas off of wasn't really an option or like, I don't know. There's the whole weird thing when you're a commuter. Like, I would commute one hour each direction, so two hours each day I had to go to school. I think you were closer to two hours each day? Three. Three hours. It was like an hour and a half between the train and walking. Right. Each way. So it's like when you're done with class, you're kind of just checked out for the freaking day because you're just, any more time I spend down here means that much longer it takes me to get home. Yeah. and At least that's how I kind of viewed it. Yeah, and I, I... I also am constrained, was constrained by train schedules. So yeah, there were all sorts of really, I mean, they had programming and things that I wanted to go to design related and things like that. Uh, But it would be like at 7 p.m. 
and, right. and at nine. And so when I would look at sort of how that might work, I'd either have to leave early or yeah. take like a 1050 train home right, and I was gonna not say, get home until like midnight. 950 or 1050 trains to take. Yeah. And so it's just not worth it. Yeah. At that point, well, yeah, especially because, you, you know, early the next day yeah, I was working or going to class the next day early in the morning. So I had to get up at six. It's like not happening. Right. Yeah. So is there anything you would change? Like looking back on it now in retrospect? Uh, no. I mean, I, I did really calculated this because <laughs> I know you were done quick. Like you, you had a really fast <laughs> turnaround in this whole deal. It's a year and a half. Yeah. Three semesters. That's it. It's like 14 classes or nope. I lied. Let me think about that. It would have been uh, 32 credits plus 15, whatever that is, 47 credits. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so not, a lot. That's not a lot at all. It was 16 credits for the last two semesters and 15 for the first. How many total credits did you need? That, whatever that was. Exactly no, total. That. I mean, like total. Is it 120 or less? I think it's 120. Because, yeah, 120. Because I had transferred too. Right, so you would like transfer like 60-something credits? 68 maybe or something wow something like that yeah i only got to transfer 57 yeah i mean i but, well i also have an a same yeah whatever i don't know i calculated it out though yeah no i and, mean i did the whole same deal well in my <laughs> sense was when i was transferring i could have went to a place closer um there were several other options closer but uh my sense was to be in a place where you could hopefully make connections with the most appeal and design is not really the hotness in the suburbs and so no <laughs> um, even though there are jobs here for that it's like i felt just proximity alone i'd have better luck if i just went to a place that was closer to where the jobs were i mean you're going to the nexus of this midwest chicago columbia yeah, i mean like you can't get really any better than that. <laughs> and, and most of the options as far as cost were were all pretty close. Really? It wasn't... What's the average per year for Columbia? Uh, it's, it's a lot. Like um, 30, I think, right? Let me think. Uh, yeah, each semester was about fifteen or 20,000. Yeah, so 30 like a year. That. Yeah, that's about right. It's a lot. But I, I did get uh, academic scholarships because of my grades. Uh, yeah, overachiever. By and, the way. I, and I paid a lot. Like, as much as I could, you know, whatever. So I'm not really struggling with it. But, um, but yeah, I, my sense was to just go to a place where, I mean, if I'm going to be paying the same amount of money either way, might as well go to the place that's going to offer the best luck. Right. Because the education, I didn't think, was going to be very different regardless. Or at the very least, I was like, I'm going to figure this out anyway. So, <laughs> like... You're like, I've gotten it's, this far. It's more of like a supplement to what I was doing anyway. Right. So I wasn't really worried about it. Um, but I mean, there's something to be said. Like, I wouldn't have the job I have now if I didn't go there. Yeah. And so, because they found me through like the school. We have like a like a LinkedIn type job board thingy. Mm -hmm. It's not on LinkedIn, but it's uh, through like a... It's a school portal kind of like thing. like a college job board. Yeah. And that's how they found me. Uh, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I wasn't even applying. I existed. Well, I found out that the school only lets you use it for a year after you graduate. And so I was like, well, I better get it all up to date so that when I'm looking for a job, my stuff's ready and I can just apply. And mm. I don't have to like, stress about filling out more stuff. Yeah. And then one day I got a phone call, two emails, and of the form on my website filled out. And people were like, hey, we saw your resume. We'd really like to talk. <laughs> and they really wanted to talk to you. Yeah, and I was like, I, 
I wasn't looking. I was just like, <laughs> sure, whatever. And then they like, you know, told me the offer and all that stuff. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, sweet. I was, Got that I, taken I went care in, of. Went in for the interviews and stuff. Yeah. And then that was it. So, yeah. I mean, doing your own website is like huge, I think. Well, design students, you kind of need Yeah, one. I guess maybe most design That's students. That's not to say that have people it. have one, but. You kind of need one. Well, yeah, because it's like a because it's like the uh, a new the new version of a portfolio. Yeah, it is. In many it ways, it is. It is a portfolio. Uh, I, I mean, it depends on where you go and who you ask. Uh, yeah. But I think at the at bare minimum, you should have your portfolio online. Yeah, I, I would think. I mean, you can do a free WordPress website for like nothing. You well through Adobe, you get a free portfolio. Website. Oh, do you really? Yeah, it's like Adobe portfolio, and it's literally a like a not Squarespace Squarespace website where you could just upload your stuff. And, <laughs> Um, it's like it looks exactly the same and whatever and it'll be like your name dot my portfolio dot com or something. oh wow okay so yeah. they it's kind of like you once your ecosystem into adobe yeah i mean like if, if you and if you need it like quick and you don't want to pay extra you can just use it which is fine oh here's a good question that i i was thinking so here it's one that's basically any myths or biggest biggest misconceptions either at Columbia or within your degree. We talked about a little bit of this kind of stuff last time, but just in general, kind of expanding on stuff. Like now that you've gone through it all and like anything mm. that you would say. Art students are a lot smarter than people think. <laughs> and I think, that, I mean, I think you probably get that sense from our graduation. Our graduation was probably more academic than yours was. <laughs> the thing said at so. our graduation were much more academic than the thing said at yours. Um, and the, I thought that the best part about the school was not my major, but the, what they call LAS, which is like, what the, does it stand for? Uh, I, it's, it's like the liberal arts gotcha. core. So it's, um, we have stuff like if you go to religious school, you have a religion stuff, you know? Yeah. Like whatever you're like, uh, ours, take. ours is like globalism, uh, what they what they call uh what is it um multi, multi american multiculturalism or something like that diversity gotcha. basically di yeah, diversity, diversity stuff, credits like, um stuff like that humanities you have globalization to, they make stuff you like that. they make you take more humanities than most schools um and it was in those classes that i thought i learned the most about things in general but uh you know some of those professors and some of the stuff i learned in those were more beneficial in shaping what I do now than some of the design classes. See, that's that's what's funny is <laughs> that's what I always talk about when when you take, or at least you hear people always like, "When are we gonna take this stupid gen ed course?" Like the the speeches and well, and the I, psych psychology I, and stuff like that. Like, why do I need to take this if I'm a such and such? I agree to that to to an extent, but I think most schools really take it in an academic sense where you're doing tests and you're doing multiple choice, right. whatever. Uh, Columbia doesn't really do that. Oh, uh, really? Most of our dude, every week I was writing like three papers. I was writing all the time. Jesus. And so <laughs> I, I should have, by any other school's measures, I should have like a writing dual major or something based on how much I had to write for that school. That's crazy. Uh, I would not expect that. It's crazy how much you have to write, but that's the, the sort of the trade-off is we don't really, the school doesn't really do as many like multiple choice fill in the blank scantron type tests right but you have to be able to talk it or write about it and reflect on things they make you think about things i mean that's good i like that 
in in a sense because it because it it forces you to formulate your own opinions on a subject or well it makes rather you rearticulate and make sure you know you have to know it baseline what, you have to know something it. and you have to be able to like critically talk about it and so those professors are really cool because uh especially in like those those las classes can you uh, give an example just to kind of paint the picture yeah one of my most recent ones is this really great guy carmelo esterich was the professor that's such an interesting name uh he's <laughs> gosh i don't want to like butcher his past so i'm not even gonna try but he was really great he uh usually teaches like latin american studies and things like that but he i took him for western humanities because i wanted a really easy class for my last semester and it was like a 100 level class that i was like sure oh yeah i think you mentioned this before yeah, yeah. but it was like one of the coolest classes i've ever taken and so um we didn't do a single test on any sort of terms or anything in that class at all. Everything was writing or discussion. Mm -hmm. our, our midterm and our final, we had to come to class and he would sit with us for 30 minutes in small groups and he wouldn't say anything. And we had to talk about a prompt freely just as students together. And you were graded, <laughs> on, you were graded on like what you contributed to the discussion. And so it would like test sort of, um, gotcha. like the, so he did it in a way where like, uh, the big question of the semester, and this is what was really cool is cause you, he, in the very beginning of class, he framed a question that was the final of the, the class Oh wow! was to talk about that question. And so his question was, what is, wait, sorry, what, that's very Socratic of him, what, who, and where is the West? Ooh. And so on the first day, like he made us as a class, answer try, it. try to answer that. And you quickly realize that you can't really answer that. It's really difficult. Um, so then he sort of laid out what the West really is. And it's things like, and I'm going to use West, like with quotes, meaning Western, uh, the West is fluid like Western civilization kind of thing, or Western culture, culture. Gotcha. Yeah. The West is, is a fluid porous ideology. Um, hmm. And there's more to it, but sort of like that's maybe the, the most basic surface level of it. Yeah. Um, and then what we did is throughout the class, we examined Western culture as it developed through history. So we started with the Epic of Gilgamesh, then like the Odyssey. We talked uh, all the way up until like the creation of skyscrapers and like Louis Sullivan and then like David Bowie and Bjork. What? And Holy. <laughs> okay. So you go through, and so you go through time examining like what Western culture was and is. And you get to see cool. how it how it developed through time, and like how we've adapted from what it originally sort of was and to what it's becoming, and so you we examined like how fluid and changing the West is, and so it was one of the coolest uh, coolest classes because not only was it like um, in just an interesting subject, yeah. Uh, and we are, of course, Western people. Right. Um, <laughs> no way, so, Nick. So it, forces, <laughs> it forces you to be, like, introspective on yeah. your own culture, which people don't... Like, no one thinks about, like, what it means to be a Western person. Um, but then it, it even touches on things like storytelling, writing, design, attitudes, movies. We did a whole section on Star Wars. Uh, oh, yeah. And sort of, like, how all of those arts help develop the culture of, a, of a, a, our culture um, and what they contribute to it and what they've sort of shaped into it. And so those thoughts and those ideas are sort of things that even apply to sort of even my design background. Things like, um, I think it was Louis Sullivan had this quote about Macy's on State Street, which if you look at it now, yes, it's a big building, but it's not like, it's not like, oh my God, look at that huge building. Yeah, it's not like you know that, that 
or it doesn't right. stick out as much. I anymore. mean, nowadays it just fits in within the loop, but like, yeah, it's a sort of a stumpy brick building. Uh, but when he first unveiled it and described it, he described it as a man. He's like, look at this man towering above whatever. And so <laughs> there's this interesting way. And I don't really want to like, there's a quote, you can find it somewhere. I, it was in our text that we had, but, um, but it's interesting to see like how people thought about those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And you can bring that sort of uh, frame of thought into design too, you know? Yeah. Like you wouldn't think to, to m- maybe not uh, so quickly think of a building as a, a tower of human achievement and masculine sort of uh, strength. Right. Um, until you sort of allow yourself to do that and design can be the same way. Yeah. You know, like you can imagine a page layout to be feminine or masculine but you might not immediately uh, think to, you know, frame it that way. Right. Uh, and so opening your mind to those sort of options and hearing from other people and their own viewpoints about things is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting how people, when you look back on history and how things are articulated, like design or, you know, I think people use like Apple and Steve Jobs as a huge, huge, huge example of how getting design right and how you market things to change culture. I, he's more of like a businessman. Than he's a businessman because he's good at articulating I why. Mean, he's this, like he's the, a designer in the sense that he made it easy to use. It, I'm talking about sense. I'm talking about aesthetic design, like taking something that's functional but also giving it a func like the the aesthetic look of it also be a selling point for it. Well, part of what's it's it's not even just the aesthetic necessarily. It's it's the fact that Apple tries to stay out of your way. That's an interesting it, way to say. It tries to just work as you need it. It doesn't need it doesn't want you to think about it as technology. It wants you to think of it as like an extension of yourself. Like you can look into something I might suggest you look into is uh, the way they designed the haptic feedback on the Apple Watch. They spent tons of time figuring out how to make a vibration on your wrist feel like it was natural and not Weird. Some like buzzing motor. Yeah. Um, and that's like a I thing. I've never actually worn one, so right. is there but any way you can describe it? Because I know you have one. It's <laughs> more like if someone tapped you on the wrist with just like one finger. And it's sort of like. It's like a little. Yeah, like, you know. Um, is it kind of how like when you unlock your phone, like the little weird, not that weird, but like a slight. You have tap. the new one with like the circle on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. It, Where when you unlock it, it has like that slight it's kinda little like that. loop kind of like that i'm not sure how to really actually describe it (laughs) but i mean that's the thing i I was using a a, so i at work i have both mac and pc oh really and uh i was using pc today and i opened up powerpoint on pc and the first thing you're greeted with is please wait while we load your something or whatever (laughs) yep and that's what they don't do they never ask you to wait while we load it's it just turns on yeah and you just use it and that's the point, is that Apple is not... It's not that they assume people are stupid, but it's that they want you to... Now I feel like I'm like defending Apple, but this is like the design philosophy, is like make it as integrated into normal function as possible. No, I mean, the reason I asked, though, is because you do have an intrinsic understanding of the different interfaces, unlike I do. Hmm. Because, you, cause, because of design is so intrinsically linked to, to Apple products. 
because of optimization reasons. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing comes all the way back to the beginning of digital design mm-hmm. and how Apple was the first one to design like like easy to use functional print dialogues. Yeah. And so, you know, coming from a world of paste up where you had to like manually make print stuff on photo sheets and plates and all that, mm-hmm. and they were trying to transition to digital, uh, that all they were doing was printing. That was the point. That's it's like, how do we get something to from digital to print as also, opposed I, to like? I believe Jobs had a fascination with typo- typography. Any great designer does. He had took a, taken a class before he dropped out of I'm sure college. He took many classes. <laughs> no, he he got he dropped out of college, and he one of the classes he was taking was typography, and it wound up being one of the reasons why Apple was the first to have a word processor that cared about font typing. Well, yeah, I mean, digit. I mean, the idea of making a digital typeface was revolutionary. Yeah. And it it uh, presented a lot of challenges that historically humans never had to face. So here's a fun tidbit: the serifs on a on a serif font, think like Times New Roman with little feet on the bottom. Yes, those serifs are exist as a as an aesthetic choice because when the Romans first developed typefaces, or Greeks was it Greek maybe probably Greek Greek whoever it was Close. Greek, Either one. Greek or Roman one of the two when they were chiseling into the monuments. It would make a serif because of the chisel being chiseled into stone. Yeah, you could never start with a you completely... You could not have a serif. Yeah. And so uh, that whole design, that area of typography, that whole bucket of styling called serif typefaces comes because of the origins of type. And so when you went to digital and you only had however many pixels on the screen to work with, yeah. it was like, well, they're presented with an interesting problem Dilemma. of how do we make... <laughs> type recognizable and look good on a screen with so little such little resolution that makes and then that's why like in the late 90s to 2000s you had all those weird ones that look really digital and they're like sort of pixelated and stuff Mm -hmm. because designers were like well let's let's lean into the pixels and then make them work for us so it was like a revolution in design where it was like we have to reinvent typography for pixels (laughs) That's that's so weird. Now it's not the case because you have so much resolution and vectors. Yeah, you, you can kind of do whatever you we want have with vector them. Vector graphics, so you don't even need to worry about pixels. But this this makes me want to ask a question about why everyone hates Comic Sans. Uh, <laughs> why why does anyone hate? I mean, it's it's like one of those things that it's objectively gross. <laughs> I, if you, you can find articles all about like the Im, the the technical imperfection of of Comic Sans. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't have any unity in anything about it. I feel like if you want to send someone a really passive-aggressive email, you change your font to Comic Sans. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, it just became a joke because, like, once computers got good enough to where, like, the average person could make a flyer and print it, you didn't have many typeface options, and people didn't know to go look up fonts, and so Comic Sans was there, and like, this is fun, and yeah that happened um it was made for one of the first it was a windows computer i believe probably and it was made because of comics like actually because they wanted to look like the way that people hand lettered comics and at the time that was really cool that you could do that on a computer um and it's actually really really good if someone has dyslexia that's Um, weird i would not expect that the, there, there's not many typefaces that are really good about it. There's one specifically made for it called Dyslexi. But uh, Comic Sans is great because part of what makes dyslexia difficult is that, um, or what the function 
that messes with dyslexia is that letters can look similar. Mm-hmm. And so like a quote, good typeface or maybe a more unified typeface will have letter forms that have rules where uh, like the R and the P will have a similar sort of loop. Curvature. Yeah. Yeah. Comic Sans doesn't do any of that. They're all different. Every letter is completely different. And so people who are dyslexic can easily distinguish because nothing looks similar. Weird. And so it it really helps with readability for people with dyslexia. And I'm sure pe- regular people too. It yeah. probably helps. I mean, it's interesting, like, going back to, like, how you're saying that it's uh, supposed to look like a handwritten typeface. And so if that's the case, then it would make sense that every um, letter would have its own structure then. Because it's, if it's supposed to mimic that handwriting. Yeah, but nature, even, like, good hand lettering can be unified. It's you're right. Just that I mean, there's certain people that are good at handwriting, that's for sure. And then there's certain people that can't t- handwrite at all like no I, that's like not me. true at all i think it's just that people don't <laughs> care to actually because i use i still have crap handwriting but <laughs> i've gotten a lot better at it if i want to like i can if i if i want to write well i can yeah um but it's just a conscious effort to be like yeah uh, let it, me I try to true. write correctly yeah i don't think a lot of people take a lot of effort i do i have noticed though that i have gotten better at handwriting because i do keep a notebook now mm. and do all of my show notes in it and i have been writing with a fountain pen mm which has a different feel to it than standard just, you know, scratching on a page with a pen and, you you know, half the time it don't work. Right. There's a different feel to it, which is interesting because I never thought I'd ever write with a fountain pen. Mm. And it's not a quill for all of you listening. It is, still has an ink cartridge on the inside. But I was wondering, how you can still buy ones, though. We have the little ink tab on the inside and you can mm-hmm. dab it, which I never would have. Of course you can. I never would have guessed it. There's, there's a whole, like... <laughs> fan base of people oh, yeah. who do that. They get really expensive, by the and way. And they're really good, too. Yeah, I was like, how do these things cost over $200? I mean, nowadays, there's a niche for everything. It's absolutely true. There's still a niche for letterpress. Really? Yeah. So okay. There are classes on letterpress at Columbia. I was going to say, so if you, there was one class that you wish you could have taken, what would it have been? Or like thing you could have learned while there? As ex- uh, esoteric as you wanted it to be, or want it to be. Specifically there, or just in general, a class that I want to take? Just in general. Uh, I want to do a lot more arts classes. Like broadly art? Art in general. Like artistic? Yeah, I mean, like I, I never did any. Yeah. Uh, so uh, t- specifically stuff like jewelry or like metal casting. That's interesting. That stuff is really cool. Woodworking I want to do mm-hmm. because I'd like to make my own frames. Uh, and... Yeah, that kind of stuff. Probably should take like, an actual guitar class at some point. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I've been hearing you pluck away in the early, in the wee hours of the morning. Yep. I was um, like, I was actually pleasantly surprised the other day. I can make While some, you were doing it, I was like, ooh, this is actually kind of nice. I can make some good stuff, but uh, yeah, I mean, they had a lot of just arts classes that I can't justify spending $3,000 to take. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, especially considering you can go to probably Harbor and find decent 300. Yeah. Like get, get way decent yeah. just as decent quality of teach instruction slash teaching yeah. and walk away with probably more skill. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just not worth it. So yeah, I don't know. I want to do more of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. Yeah. I didn't really pay much attention though. I really was really calculated with how I did my degree. So it was like, I figured out exactly what I needed to take. And then I just took those and that's it. <laughs> You're just locked in. You're like no locked other... and loaded baby. Yeah. <laughs> I did take an online class. Ooh, how did that go? Not a fan. 
not a fan. Uh, it was basically that the professor, and she seemed really nice, but basically that she collected a bunch of PDFs and assigned us two books to, to read, two like novels to read, mm-hmm. and we had to be there for like a weekly discussion, do a couple tests and papers, and that was it. Like There was no actual professor professing. It was really just like read these things, talk about it, write a paper, she'd write it, that's it. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I mean, I, of that. I took a lot of online classes at Harper when I was doing my associates and stuff. And in general, it just feels like a lot more busy work since professors don't know how to judge. I would have liked them to have like a video thing where they've recorded themselves. I did have that for one teacher. That was awesome. Yeah, I think that would be really nice. You know, to make it more interactive or make it like a have a mandatory thing where you have to... Yeah, you know, actually, I mean, it's kind with people like how I kind of view it is if you had an online YouTube channel where someone's teaching you how to do something, it's like they're interactively doing it with you, like right there on screen, and you can pause it and do it with the teacher, and it's yeah, like, like you, you basically have your reference, like the idea of like, oh, I missed what you said, right? Well, but for instead, us, you could pause it and rewind it like ten seconds and see like, oh, hey, I there's what I missed. Yeah, I guess my problem was like we. We were supposed to do all these like discussion forums and talk about the chapters or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and the idea was that we'd all come back to the forum and like continue the conversation. Yes. But like, who's actually going to do that? Because uh, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to talk to a bunch of other students if they also, you know, don't want to talk about it or they're just doing the assignment or you could clearly tell that they turned it in way too late and were like, yeah, BSing it. Uh, and so it would have been nice to have something like you read it, you do the discussion, and then the professor posts like a video recap of like, this is what you should have gotten from this or pull out some of the students what they said. Uh, but I don't want to read more. You know, if I'm assigned a million readings, and it's all reading right. all the time. The last thing I want to do is read more from the professor. No. <laughs> you know, like You need to break up the monotony. To me, even if they send us like a, like a MP3 or something and you yeah. can just play it or whatever. You know, something like that would be really nice. He's telling teachers to do podcasts now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the irony. Yeah, there no, you go. not really. Um, I don't know. I like that. I well, mean, it's, it's it's interesting. We're in a weird space where like... We absolutely are. Uh, education needs to figure out the digital space. Yes. At I least mean, like institutions need to figure out the digital space. There's... I don't even know what school is going to look like in even five years. Nah. Because it's about... It's going to... I don't even know. Like everything is just changing so quickly, especially in, in fields like ours that it's kind of very much tied to the digital world yep. and how fast products move and stuff. It's, yep. To me, it felt like what I was learning, at least from an engineering standpoint, was theory driven that has kind of been figured out from 70s or earlier. Mm-hmm. And so all I'm learning is the foundational stuff to be able to look at a schematic or some sort of technical drawing and being like, okay, yeah, I can figure it out. Maybe I can't do all of the math on it, but I'm like, I have a decent understanding of what it's doing. Right. But beyond that, it has really no bearing on what my day-to-day job would be like because we're just dealing with a scale problem. Whereas like we're going really minute singular component level and it's like, okay, cool. Like it's great from just a conceptual modeling, but from actual application, it's like, you got to get in front of these things. You got to start breaking things and understanding like the best way I can say is like 
taking a schematic or some sort of drawing and then actually seeing that thing in real life and being able to say that those two things are equal and right. being able to point at the same things on from the drawing to the actual real thing right. are two very different things. Yep. And that's where I felt like the, the differentiation was because it felt like way too much book learning yeah. without actual understanding on like what real engineering is about right now <laughs> or right. real or just what the real world is all about because it just didn't feel like it had any connective tissue to that. Yep. And that that's what really kind of drove me up a wall because I'm like, I'm interested, but I just don't know where the through line is here. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, education in general is in a strange place right now. I think that most things are moving much quicker than education is used to. And so... Right, well, because they were the guys who... They were the ones, the gatekeepers for right. all intents and purposes. And all of a sudden, now there's this thing called the internet. Right. And that's been basically building since we were born. <laughs> and now it's kind of turned into a whole nother thing yeah and that it, that's i don't know yeah i mean we're in like a we're in a, a time right now i'll just throw it to my field where right you might be assigned to make like two logos during a semester class but there's people on instagram doing a logo every day right like, <laughs> you know what i mean or or even it's just like i mean even in your example you can you're be talking about your composites you don't have to spend a whole week to do an iteration you can iterate so fast now it's like mm -hmm. you know it, at times, school definitely felt like it was slower than it needed to be. I mean, to me, too, the other part of it is taking the your own initiative. Yeah. Like, school feel I, I, We talked about failure last episode, and I think that's one component. And the other component is, like, giving yourself the okay to attempt something because a lot of people just wait for someone else to tell them, hey, you need to do this. Right. Instead of, oh, I want to do this, so I'm going to just figure out how to do it. Yeah. And I, and I think that's where a lot of what I've been able to accomplish outside of the engineering world, like this podcast is a huge, just my attempt to figure out a whole bunch of different shit, right. which I, granted, I do have the unique ability to ask you questions and drive you nuts <laughs> with Adobe and all the things that entail with Adobe via Photoshop audition and stuff like that. Right. But... I still try to do it on my own majority of the time until you get annoyed enough to, to jump in and be like, you know, you can do this better. Right. <laughs> and so that's, that's part of it. So it's kind of great. Like, that's what I think is kind of cool in general is just saying, I want to try to figure this out and then just trying to figure it out slowly, but surely. Cause you, it's a process. I mean, there's, there's room for experimentation without net with, without a perceived consequence of, you know, negative reaction or whatever i don't mean that like feedback wise but i guess what i mean is like in a classroom setting if you f screw up something uh you get a bad grade you're gonna get a bad grade mm -hmm. and that affects all sorts of things you know you might be getting scholarships and that could affect that or you know you might be aiming for a certain merit or some whatever your case is you might have your own standards uh, and so there's like unnecessary stress that sort of gets in the way of what you're actually supposed to be doing which is learning and I'm not trying to use this as a way to say that grades are awful, but um, I guess that's why I resonated so well with like those LAS courses is because because they were so discussion based. There was never like you're going to be graded because you you asked a stupid question or were wrong, yeah. and you weren't constantly worried about like oh, but if I don't know these fifty terms by Thursday, I'm gonna 
fail the quiz <laughs> or something. Yeah. There was no goofy stuff like that. It was just like be present and just show up and, basically. and pay attention. Yeah. It's like as long as you're present, you're paying attention and you're enjoying the material. Like at the end, I still remember all this great stuff that I'm uh, using. Right. That I don't remember at all from any of those like regular quote college courses I took before where they were like, you know, psychology at <laughs> Harper where it was right. like tests every week. I mean, I think you said something pretty good there. Is this, this be present and pay attention. Like yeah. those two core little tidbits, which are way harder in practice than. <laughs> but they don't have to be. I think they don't have to be. But if I think it's just like that should just be the core of learning in, in general. Is just show the fuck up. But I mean, I think that's really what the role of a great teacher does is that they help you. Um, they, they make it exciting for you. Yeah. They make it applicable. They make it something you should be interested in. And if they're a really good teacher, they'll be able to explain to you why the material needs to be known. Yeah. Why, why should you care is really like the, I would think that any great professor on the first day should come in and go, this is what you're going to learn in this class. And this is why you should care Ooh. and give you like, they should sell you on it. They right? absolutely should. No one. I mean, for the most part, people just sort of take classes because they need to. Mm-hmm. But a great professor is going to be someone who makes you want to go. Yes, and absolutely. I had a lot of, at at least at Columbia too, especially, but even at Harper, some of my professors are great. Uh, I had, I've had a lot of professors that I can think of throughout all of my higher education and even high school to some degree who it was someone you just wanted to be there for. You yeah. Know, you want to be there with them and, and actually listen to them and, and be there. And out of respect to the teacher almost. There's some of that too, but... Um, you know, these really great professors and teachers were people who made you excited to be there and learn. Yeah. And that's really the role of a great professor. I like that. It it's, made me think of a, of, a, of a quote I heard from a... So the guy was a music major. I think he was learning piano. Ner- His name is Derek Sivers. He uh, made CD Baby way back when, hmm. before all of this... Like, as the digital age became a thing, he was selling CDs online like one of the first. Right. Um, but when he was in music school, he found a professor or a mentor at the time and basically said the average pace is for chumps is, mm. is what he said. And he said, you're going to graduate in two years from one of the, the prestigious music schools. Can't remember the name of off to my top of my head. It was on the Tim Ferriss show podcast. For those of you interested peoples, there will be a link, mm. but I really enjoyed that. Like the average pace is for chumps kind of thing. Like when you get thrown into the quote unquote deep end, and like someone just says, like, learn it, figure it, like just puts you through the ringer of like, Mm. like a crucible kind of environment. I think that proves just how much more adaptable than I think we are. Cause I think sometimes the pace seems rather droning and just monotonous. I don't know if it's a pace thing. I don't know if I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Um, to so, me, I, I felt mean, like I wasn't being... Some things go too slow or aren't challenging enough. I think that's fair to say. But I also think that sometimes you need... It's a, it, there's, a, there's a flexible... It's flexible. There isn't like, mm-hmm. I'm not operating at, you know, 300 miles an hour all the time. Right. I'm some not things I wanna, Some things I want to go like at 20, you know? And uh, it's the great professors who are able to flex with that. It's, it's not that um, they need to push you to keep going farther, farther, farther all the time. But it's that they should recognize where you're at, and then sort no, that, of. No, I mean that's what I. I guess that's what I'm more you. trying to articulate on is that sometimes we need a mentor that can see 
how fast we can move. Like not every student is going to be able to move, like you said, at 300 miles per hour. Hmm. But kind of being able to adapt with a student and be able to push this different people with different pedals, <laughs> right. so to speak, is is I think where I don't know. I, I always think about this as a from a educational standpoint or learning standpoint is that we should all be growing at our own rate, whatever rate that happens to be. And I really have this dorky metaphor in my brain about like an RPG character. If you mm. think of the different quote unquote attributes as class types, you know, mm. science, math, English, whatever. And each one of those numbers, none of those numbers are ever going to be th- at the same level unless you're like a super genius. Right. You're going to have your own strengths and weaknesses. Right. And so you should never have to be, you know, in the same category as your peers, you know, mm. like grade level wise. Right. And so you should be able to kind of pick and choose it, how you develop each of your skills. Well, that's kind of within all within categories. Yeah, that's what that all is. That's right. what all those. Yeah. But I, I but I think it's it doesn't really happen until you get to college is what I, is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. You know, it, it until like, until you graduate high school, you're basically supposed to be at some sort of even playing field along with everybody else, probably except minus math and physics in some of the sciences. Yeah, I don't know. That's a really difficult thing to even begin to analyze. I have no idea how the metrics work. For, Absolutely not. But for it's the fun intelligence of high school students. Like, <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you're 18, <laughs> and there's a lot of evidence that your frontal lobe isn't developed until you're 25. Well, so, and it's <laughs> it's like so many factors play into that that to even begin to like put anybody on any sort of yeah. baseline is ridiculous. Well, I mean, here's the other crazy part, just as like contextual stuff. The average college student gets out of school or out of high school and goes to school and is graduated college 21, 22, right? I don't know if that's true anymore, but yeah, I mean, that was if, the case. If that's the golden ratio or rule or the assumed pathway, whatever. Yeah, I know non-traditional is becoming more quote traditional. So it, right. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's update updated Absolutely. statistics, but it's still from just a cultural undertoning. It still feels like you go to, you get out of high school, you go to school, you get back, you know, and then you enter the real world. Yeah. I think that stems from our parents though. And like their generation, because right. I mean, talking to our peers, I've met, tons of people who've taken time off and done yeah. a non-traditional route i mean i think most of our close circles that way most people i know yeah most people that come to mind right now have done some strange path through school <laughs> yeah i mean i think part of it too is just because the astronomical cost well, that's involved. absolutely part of it yeah i mean it's absolutely it where it's you just there's just no way there's just zero chance that well, you, you have to just be really well off or yeah. or willing to take a large risk with money. Yeah. You know. It's weird. It is a very interesting thing. Not about that. Me neither. I don't know. It's It makes me think back a lot on just the whole trajectory of college and how it's opened so many doors. Like, in many ways, I'm unfilled in the actual school experiment, experience. But if I hadn't done school, I wouldn't be in the pathway in many respects of why this podcast even exists. Right. Tangentially speaking. Because the, 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 the other learning I've done outside of school and why podcasts have become such a huge part of my life because of the commuting that has been done 
because I had to figure out some sort of way to take in inputs and information for myself because there's only so much music you can listen to mm. while on a two-hour drive without getting lulled to sleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I'm sure you've probably experienced while taking a train or... No, I love music. I, I'm addicted. I mean, I'm addicted too, but... If like, I'm not sleeping with somebody or... <laughs> that's about it. I'm listening to music otherwise for I, the most part. I don't know. Like, I... I I love music too, but for some reason it would just be that drive, which is so monotonous sometimes. Mm. Those like white lines, you know, the regular intervals, and you just like, mm. you know, the soft vibration of the car, and you're just, <laughs> it mm. shakes you to sleep or some shit. I don't know, but I just needed to figure out some way to keep my brain active and engaged, and somehow podcasts just came right at the perfect time mm. for me. And the other part of it is kind of looking forward. And I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days now, but it's kind of like ways to make sure I don't get complacent in the sense that you might be the same way where having not enough to keep you busy makes you lazier. Uh, if that makes sense. Like, like it's easy to get complacent when there's not as much going on because you feel like you have more free time to just kind of relax. I, I don't know. I guess it comes down to what what's a healthy amount of relaxing. Yeah, I know. Uh, and I don't know that there's like, <laughs> there's not like a... I mean, that's for everyone to decide for themselves. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm uh, There's... The nice thing about what I've done is that design can happen regardless of employment or not. Yeah. And so there's all sorts of stuff I want to make and finish and redo and make cooler and stuff and so i've got all sorts of things i want to do it's funny is like it's, it's you kind of were talking about woodworking and stuff and it's kind of where the podcast is going as i kind of start want to start experimenting with ways to create stuff for the show that mm. even though it's for the show it's also an experiment to kind of do it myself mm. i.e create a table out of wood and make it natural and you know kind of have a set piece and do things like that and being able to kind of be able to do things that I wouldn't do otherwise because right. I could just go buy a table and be done with it. Yeah. Which is great in its own way, but it just sounds so much more fun to have a story about, yeah, I built the table for this thing, this bad boy right here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I did that with dad. Stuff like that. I built a table upstairs. Yeah, the little one you take pictures on. Yeah, man, it's my product table. Yeah, actually, we need to do that for the challenge coin, speaking mm -hmm. of which because I want to have like a little fancy deal with it. Just make it look nicer. It's, um, I don't know, it's fun to start creating things and then being able to capture how you did it and just do the process mm. of it, you know? I just like making stuff. I mean, that's part stuff of it. Stuff is fun. Same thing. It's all the same thing. Yeah. We love, to, we love to make things and we love to tell other people about the things you make. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I think it's a lot more fun than being like, what'd you do today? Oh, watch Netflix. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with Netflix, but I'm just, you know, I also like having something that's like, I made this look. Yeah. <laughs> I did this. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think that's the proclivity of a maker because there's a lot of people who, you know, getting home from the end of their day is, it's really easy just to be like, yeah, I'm just going to sit in front of the TV and chill. That's fine. Totally do it. Sure. Do your thing. But I don't know. I just like putting my creative juices into something or whatever energy I have left into trying to push through a new boundary of mm -hmm. some sort. 
Yeah, I, I let it. For me, I let it sort of. It's like waves; it comes and goes. Everything, yeah, like everything does. All the things come and go. So it's sometimes I'll take a week or two from not taking any photos at all, and then the next week I've taken hundreds. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll go on a kick and I'll make a million things on for my website and design and all that stuff, and then the next week or so I don't do anything at all. Yeah, I mean, I think that's normal too. Yeah, it's it's just you know, I I take it as more of a do something until you don't want to and then don't and yeah. then when you feel like you want to do it again do it again <laughs> that's really it yeah um yeah and and recognizing when things are unhealthy or whatever you know like uh to your point it's easy to sit and you know do nothing all the time and at some point it drives me nuts cuz i feel like i've done nothing <laughs> and it's like super unhealthy and so that's when you know a different wave comes and you're like okay time to go do all this other stuff oh yeah or you know it's trying to just be curious about stuff and Mm -hmm. you know i think that's for me too is like it would be really easy for me to be like yeah i'm just gonna go home and like play video games for the rest of the night and i do play video games probably most nights Mm. and that's kind of what i one thing i do not want to do it's just kind of start filling up all the free time that I would have, but just something that is time sinky mm. as video games. Right. Because it hits all those right dopamine buttons, just like social media does and mm. many other things. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, I don't know. It's so hard. I mean, you don't play video games anymore, really. No, so not really. You, you were able to scrape, ex- scrape, escape the trap. Now I just feel bad when I play video games. <laughs> In what way? It's like I'm wasting my time. There's exactly. No, there's no reason to do this. That's my point. Yeah, I've, I've got so much other more. I've got so much other, so many other things that I'd rather do. I know. That I forget that. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll do it if it's like you know, uh, friends are messing around and I've got a night to kill or something. But you know, I have no inclination to sit around and play video games all day ever. No, <laughs> that, I mean that's definitely not the case you know? either. You know, I think for me, the other thing that I like to do is try to write more. Mm. Again, it's that it's trying to fill in the gaps of what this might sound strange, but it's like when you think of a generic engineer, I think of someone who's good with math and numbers and but bad with people skills and written verbal communication, Mm. you know, communicating either like this, talking or even in written form. Right even creatively or not. And so I, part of the reason the, the blog exists is to be able to give myself a real life playground to further those skills in mm. a, in a format that requires me to take the extra time and effort to actually care about what I write and how it comes off of and actually treat it like a science in many ways. Right. And, and that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. And then, and, and, you know, unfortunately writing is, 90% procrastination because you want to write, but then you don't know what to write. Mm. <laughs> I just mean you're not thinking enough. Oh no, I'm thinking a lot. You it's don't want to write if you can't write. I just don't know how to, I just don't know. Like I think about things, but then it's just like, I start writing and then it's just like, I'll get somewhere with it. And then I don't know where to go with it or finish it or whatever. You're and not so, thinking I, enough. so then I leave it for a while. Oh no, everything exists still. It's just, you know, various stages of completion or not. Mm. <laughs> it's just you know it's yeah. ha- it's a it's it's a very different animal well i just i had a one really great professor back at harper who i took for both of my like english credits that i had for college yeah like the 101 102 kind of thing yeah those two 
Um, his name is James Wise. R W I E S. He's a wise guy, huh? Yeah, I don't even know if that's how you say it, but he <laughs> he was really cool because you know you come from high school, sort of like right in MLA. Make sure you cite your stuff correctly. Mm -hmm. You're doing a an intro, three bodies, and an ending sort of paragraph, and he totally demolished all that. What? Where he was like, screw all that, because no one wants to read that. No, it's boring. No one cares. Yes. And so what I want you all to do is figure out how you like to write, and then sort of just use your voice as if you're telling someone and then I'll help you format it so where it's still technically okay but not it doesn't fit a mold he would never assign like this needs to be three pages and five paragraphs it was always like paragraph it when it feels right to paragraph it that's interesting and so my writing is and it's it's fun I've even gotten compliments from like uh, classes this last semester where professors were like your stuff is always a joy to write and one of the uh, other ones for the history of communication design was like uh, after reading your papers I was wondering if you were doing your master's degree and stuff what, what was I saying the history of art design oh I had a separate professor from history of communication design who we had to do a meeting and she was like are you going to be going to grad school because your writing is really interesting to read and would fit really well with academic stuff I was like, uh, no, <laughs> not yet at least, but, um, not in any sort of history capacity or anything goofy mm -hmm. like that. But writing is really just about telling someone something. So if you don't, if you don't know what to write, then it's probably that you just don't know what you're trying to say. Yes. That's really all it is. But it's like, just think about it more or have a better understanding of what you're interested in or what the topic is. I'm obsessed with storytelling, as you probably well know, mm. in general. Yeah both in other people's story and then how to articulate other people's stories. Journalists specifically upset. Like I'm obsessed with journalists and how journalists write. Mm. Cause there's something about how they're able to take a nonfiction narrative, usually with their own experiences and weave the two together and make a compelling story, but embed the facts that you learn something with and keep you interested yeah. throughout that narrative journey. And right. I'm just like, how, where is the secret sauce? Mm. I love it. I don't know. I'm like so obsessed with all these different journalists. It's just about paying attention. It's yes. Pay attention to what's going on. What happens? Sentence structure what? is huge. Forget all that shit. No, like not, not like grammatically, like the, the perfect sentence kind of thing. Right. It's more of like how to make sentences just more interesting to read mm. from a, from just like a reader's perspective, like a flow flowing right. sort of thing and yeah. i and i don't have a firm grasp of a way to e exemplify that currently as i'm talking about it but mm. it's one thing i want to figure out how to do mm. and like that's how like i start started to like start um underlining and like different words that like make you feel emotions like that kind of stuff being mm. able to capture emotions in a sentence mm. that's like a super crazy skill within writing mm. I don't know if you've ever. I mean, that's all. That's everything I do all the time. I mean, design is that. Yeah, I too. guess right. <laughs> I didn't even. <laughs> it just kind of happens. I don't really think about it much. It just, yeah. you know, I, it just, I think it's sort of now intuitive at this point for what I do. If I want to, like, I, you know, you think of sort of how might you phrase something to sound a way that sounds different, less aggressive, more aggressive, more welcoming, more whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a million ways to say anything. And so 
in the same way that there's a million ways to show something like all of that is part of what design thinking is mm-hmm. i mean writing is design thinking <laughs> so. all right nick i'm gonna ha- i'm gonna hit you with this hard-hitting question right now because mm-hmm. now that you're we're f- officially graduated right would you have any any advice to college students people entering college or even entering the real world um figure out what people whatever you're targeting whatever it is that you want to do figure out what their day-to-day expectation is and then figure out how you need to get to that point is number one number two when you're going into education go to a place where there are the least barriers keeping you from staying and being engaged whether that's a long commute whether that's a ton of money whether that's the fact that you'll be broke all the time so you won't have freedom to pursue whatever it is that you want to do, uh, whether it's not having free time at all so that you'll be miserable, take care of yourself, all of those things. Um, you know, Find a place that's comfortable for you because nothing makes you burn out faster than being miserable in general. <laughs> yep. Uh, Dealing with stress, so basically. Make sure, yeah, just deal with your stress. Make sure you're comfortable. And there are as minimal amount of things... Uh, blocking you or potentially getting in the way of your education, whatever that may be. I like it. And second to last question, if you had a giant billboard to say what you wanted, what would it be? Uh, well, I mean, billboards are interesting. I know, I, right? That's why that's why I look at billboards all it. the time. And I always think, <laughs> like I if always you had think, words of wisdom to put on a, on a billboard and you well, wanted always, to get your message across. I always because I'm a, I don't often like drive on the highway, usually Astoria, so I look at all the billboards and I always think, who actually looks at billboards? <laughs> and then you roll up on that billboard that goes, "You're looking at a billboard. They definitely work." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, you got me." <laughs> but I don't know if there's other people like me. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are, but. Um, I would have to do a joke or something. I, w- I would want it to be just like stupid. Like a pun? Not even. It'd have to, like, even if it was just like, well, like, give me the hypothetical amount of dollars this billboard costs. Whatever. Tell Sky's me. the limit. Just tell me. Give me Bill- a number. Billion. You're, no, you're the billboard guy. You sold me a billboard <laughs> oh, for how the, many dollars? On the billboard, 100000 All right. It would literally just say, like, this billboard cost me $100,000. <laughs> Signed, Nick Wenzel. <laughs> It would be a quote. It would be a quote with dash. Not even a quote. It would just say it. It would just be in written, Helvetica bold. (laughs) This billboard costs $100,000. Nick Wenzel. Thanks for for your attention, Nick Wenzel. That's it. (laughs) It's absurd. It's stupid. You don't like billboards, do you? They're interesting to me. I I have a complicated relationship with billboards. (laughs) I was never. I was not expecting this question I'm, to go over. Well, they attract <laughs> awful design, except for Blue Moon, who does a great job. Uh, <laughs> but for some reason, you get all kinds of awful design. If you go far enough south, they'll tell you to go. You're going to hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they're just funny. They're they're funny objects, and they kind of annoy me because they take up really great real estate where other cool things could be, mm-hmm. or nothing at all, like trees. Like trees are way better than billboards. You can trademark that. Um, so I don't know. I think they're they're just funny things. I like it. There's never <laughs> I've never seen a, a good I've seen good billboards, but 
But the vast majority are mediocre. <sighs> They're just strange. One day we'll have to buy a billboard for feeding curiosity. I always thought it'd be so funny. We'll have to do it, Nick. Billboards are so funny. Nick, we might even be able to buy one of those fancy LED billboards that change. My favorite are the, <laughs> my favorite are the billboards that like. Uh, you know they're clearly done by some business owner who doesn't really get it and so they have a million words all over them and they're really small and so i always like when those start to show up i always sit there in the passenger seat and like try super hard to read all of it before we pass it (laughs) (laughs) just just to see like is it possible to read it (laughs) like is it possible to read this billboard in the time that you have to read this billboard (laughs) I, I think that's a fun challenge. I, uh, they're interesting things. I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah, those are fun. Um, so we've already. This is another hour already. Nice. So, last question. Yeah. What are you most excited about now that graduation's over? <laughs> it can't be. <laughs> oh my god. Um. His his face was just one full of exasperation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I. Never really planned out this far. <laughs> Me either. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, it it doesn't feel like anything is any different. I've been working and going to school at the same time and working, if not full-time, pretty close to full-time yeah. forever or since since high school. Yeah. So, for like, five years. So, like, it doesn't feel any different. It's, like, business as usual, sort of go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough in that it never really got in the way of doing regular things. So I did get to travel and stuff before. So it's not like I'm mm-hmm. itching like, oh, finally I can go backpack Europe or something like. Yeah. Or, you know, visit somewhere. I mean, I went to Spain. The other I mean, so month, so, so here here's the thing I would say, like, just to give you some time to think about the question a little bit more. Mm. Like I, I was as, as I was getting ready for finals, people would ask me, like, are you ready? Like, you know. Are you going to pass things like that? And I'm like, it's fine. Like, it's a fun question. Like it's whatever. And, and then I got like, I finished my only actual final. I like did all my papers and whatever I had to turn in before that final. Mm. And I like laughed. I walked out and I was like, all right, well, when's it going to hit me? <laughs> Cause I like finished it. It was like no big deal. I was like, Oh, I was way more prepared than I thought I'd be Yeah. kind of thing. And nothing really changed so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I graduated and still didn't really feel all that different. <laughs> mm. I, I guess what I'm, I suppose what I'm most excited about is that I've had to spend a lot of time and energy on school and sometimes in things that I just didn't want to do mm-hmm. or didn't feel like was necessary or whatever. And so... Or just not interesting to you. Yeah. And so to me, having that we'll just round it or something and say like 30 hours a week where I can put that time into doing anything else that I feel is worth my time is really liberating. So, you know, who knows what that is? You know, I've got all sorts of hobbies I still want to do. I'm still going to be taking pictures and stuff, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, actually making, making things and interacting with people who, uh, I, want to versus have to yeah or you know feel like i have to because i'm paying so much money for it um yeah it's know. like god damn it i gotta i gotta put effort into this shit if i'm gonna right pay you know well that was the thing it was like if i'm many paying g's worth of dollars <laughs> three thousand dollars a class yeah. i might as well do well because otherwise i've just thrown my money out like an idiot 
Yeah. And so now it's like I've got time to just pursue the things I want to versus feel like I have to. Yeah. And that's sort of, yeah. The, the, broadly speaking, the category that you're describing right now is what it's called lifestyle, lifestyle design. There you go. Basically building building the life you see fit for yourself. Yep. And that is on. Fortunately slash unfortunately, depending on how anxious of a person you are, a forever work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> I, always, I knew it wasn't going to bother you. Because I always take it step by step, man. I know. I know you're not that In the immediate future, I'm excited for the spring to be over so my nose isn't exploding. <laughs> and then I want to sit outside. That's... In anything specific? Do you want to get some paint? Sit outside. Should we get you an easel? I want to listen to the leaves and I want to sit on the porch. That's it. <laughs> That's a very... <laughs> Been itching for that since the spring started. Itching that for that literally... literally. Yeah, literally my eyes every morning. I'm itching my eyes going, I just want to sit on the porch. Yeah. And on that note, hopefully summer's right around the corner. Yeah. And except for that it's raining all next week. Yay. Welcome to the Midwest. <laughs> For those of you who don't live here, you're not missing out. <laughs> it's charming. It's it is. I mean, Chicago's a fun place. We that's all for get sure. to bond over the horrible weather. Horrible weather. <laughs> what do people in California talk about? It's another great day here, guys. Oh man, it's hot again, huh? Yeah. Shorts and t-shirt. <laughs> like, let's go. Like every other day. <laughs> <laughs> what about a uh, Tampa? Oh, it's swamp ass today. Yeah. I'm sweaty today. <laughs> Me too. Real sweaty. <laughs> All right, man, I'll see you. <laughs> Louisiana? Probably sweaty. Uh, yeah, also sweaty. <laughs> I don't know. Pass a billboard. No, I'm going to hell again today. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're going to call it because it's late-ish, kind of, sort of. We're tired. Yep. This is a fun one, though. All right, everyone. Two postgraduates. Discussed in life. Later. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, Go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.